In the Zoom meeting that uh, I enjoyed earlier this evening, uh, a thought that Brother Henry Mahan brought out, and I didn't know it was his because I've been using it, but I probably heard it from him, was some of the verses that we run into in the Bible, we may not know what it says, but we know what it doesn't say. And uh, I, I mentioned tonight during that Zoom that when the Lord teaches us, and he says, the Lord God will teach us. When God teaches us, he gives us a foundation that he is sovereign, that he's almighty, he's all-powerful, he's everywhere all at the same time, and that foundation, the rest of the scripture must agree with that foundation. And it's not going to be different, and we're not going to have God changing. So as we look here at the 14th chapter of the book of Zechariah, I'm reminded of that very thing, that God is sovereign, that he is king, and that most of what is said about the 14th chapter, or even the whole book of Zechariah, or the Old Testament or New Testament, has no foundation in Scripture. It is men's imagination. And uh, they look at, they have some theology or some preconceived idea, and I know this for a fact, because I used to do it. Look for verses that would fit my and it may not agree with the verse before, and it may not agree with the verse after, but that verse in between. So uh, we're going to look here at some thoughts in the book of Zechariah chapter 14. And we kind of covered down through verses 1 through 4. So I'd like to look at this verse 5, and uh, we'll read verses 4, 5, and 6 and spend some time here. And his feet shall stand in that day. And we spent once entire lesson on the number of times that phrase is used just in the book of Zechariah in that day and Isaiah used that term and we find so often that that term is the gospel day for us in that day there was that day for for uh, Cain or for Abel excuse me there was that day when God gave him faith and he believed God so in that day upon the Mount of Olives which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. The Lord used the Mount of Olives many times during his ministry, and he taught from this place. And it is his feet that are going to do this. Now, I believe that this is, is picture language, symbolic language, spiritual language, and the Lord, when he comes, is going to bring division. He has promised it in the church that there would be division that there would be those who would come in from the outside or even from the inside and bring up damnable heresies and to be on guard about it and to not permit it to go on. And uh, there shall be a great valley and half the mountain shall be toward the uh, move toward the north and half towards the south. Now, notice verse 5, it follows right after, And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azale. Yea, ye shall flee. Now notice this. Like as ye fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come and all the saints with thee. Interesting language. The Lord my God shall come. Verse 6. And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark. And then I want to go into verse 7. 
But it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. Now this afternoon at 4.30, it was dark. (laughs) And I'm thankful that next Wednesday we start to see more light. (laughs) That's the day. But let's look at this verse 5 in particular, and there's something in this verse of Scripture that caught my eye, and that is the word earthquake. It tells us in that verse 5, Yea, ye shall flee like as ye fled while before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah the king. Now, if you'll turn with me back just a little bit to the book of Amos. The book of Amos. Amos chapter 1 and verse 1. We have the same earthquake. Now, I am convinced that when we read the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. If we ask Isaiah what happened to him, he could respond, it was like an earthquake. I was turned upside down from my original thoughts about things and my original thoughts about God unto the true and the living God. And I learned that he is holy, holy, holy. If we go over to and had the privilege of visiting with Saul of Tarsus, we could probably say, you know, I felt like I was in an earthquake. My world was turned upside down. All right, in the book of Amos, it tells us here, the words of Amos, who was among the herdmen of Tekoa, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Now, I'm not a very good pronunciator of names, but I have been instructed by Pastor Bill, when you come to them, act like you know what they are and say it. So just, (laughs) that's what we're doing. And in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. All right, so we have an earthquake mentioned here. We have an earthquake, that same earthquake mentioned in in the book of Zechariah. So I'd like to spend some time tonight on this subject. Because I believe the Lord is teaching us some things when he brought up this subject. The subject of an earthquake. So I would like to have a lesson on earthquakes tonight, as it's found in the scriptures. And we find that these things, these phenomena, that I don't know how many here or how many are listening have been in an earthquake. I remember being in two of them. They were very slight, but they moved things that shouldn't be moved. (laughs) I mean, it was just a a phenomenon. And uh, if we're in a big one, I've only seen pictures of that, some of those down in California, when it just tore the freeways apart and everything else. Uh, Big ones, Japan has them, big ones. Earthquakes demonstrate great and sometimes terrible forces, but back of them all is God. He is the beginning of all things. And nothing takes place on this earth that he has not purposed. I used to use the word permitted, but it is far greater than permitted. It is purposed. Now he uses this phenomenon in many ways, but he also uses it from a spiritual context. He does bring, I believe, to every believer the greatest of earthquakes when we learn that our religion is worthless. 
It is, I know the depths of despair I went into just, and then I heard the gospel. I, I was, I was, the Lord primed me for it. He was, I was primed ready to hear the gospel because I was in the depths of despair. Uh, but back of all of this is the controlling all things is almighty God. So let's look into God's word about earthquakes. Turn with me to the book of Job, if you would. Job had something to say about a lot of things. And in the book of Job, Job chapter 12, Job chapter 12, as we think about that earthquake in the day of Uzziah, that's brought up here. You shall flee like in that day. You shall flee like in the day of the earthquake in Uzziah's time. Now, no doubt there was. You can't find much out about it in the Bible except those words, but that's enough for us to realize that there was a historical event and that there was an earthquake in the days of Uzziah. But for those who heard the gospel in the days of Uzziah, there was a real earthquake. They really understood that God was behind all things. God was behind salvation. God was the, uh, the first beginning of all things. God is the beginning of grace. God is the beginning of our faith. God is the beginning of everything. So here in the book of, of Job chapter 12, verse 1, And Job answered and said, no doubt, but ye are the people, and wisdom shall die with you. But I have understanding as well as you. I am not inferior to you. Yea, who knoweth not such things as these? I am as one mocked of his neighbor, who calleth upon God, and he answereth him. And just upright men is laughed to scorn. He that is ready to slip with his feet is a lamp of despised in the th thought of him that it is, uh, it is at ease. The tabernacles of robbers prosper, and they that provoke God are secure, into whose hand God bringeth abundantly. But ask now the beasts, and they shall teach thee, and the fowls of the air, and they shall tell thee. Or speak to the earth, and it shall teach thee, and the fishes of the sea shall declare unto thee. Who knoweth not in all these that the hand of the Lord hath wrought this? in whose hand is the soul of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. You know, I run into verses in the book of Job that I never realized were there. I passed over too quickly. And here's some of that. Doth not the ear try the words and the mouth taste his meat? Now notice there in verse 8, So speak to the earth, and it shall teach thee, and to the fishes of the sea shall declare unto thee, who knoweth not in all these that the hand of the Lord hath wrought this? So as we look at this earthquake in the days of Uzziah, when we look at this earthquake that Zechariah reminds us of and says this is in a gospel day, that the hand of God is behind it. He is behind every event. It's interesting when the Lord is upon the earth, when he is going to demonstrate his power, he brings on the wind. When he's going to demonstrate his power, he has water and turns it to wine. When he's going to demonstrate his power, he, he walks on water. He is the controller of all things. And so as we look at this event here concerning the earthquakes, we find that the earth is in control by God, and just as he is in control of every spiritual matter. Turn with me just one more book, book of Psalms, Psalm 68. In Psalm 68... <clears throat> we once again find this great story about the great truths about, I should say, about the Lord our Savior. And here in uh, Psalm 68, verse 8, the scriptures say this. Psalm 68, and verse 8. The earth shook 
The heavens also dropped at the presence of God. I am so thankful that when God brings his presence, he takes us and turns us. He draws us and brings us. And it may be the most difficult event that we have ever gone through in our life, but he is going to use like an earthquake to cause us to realize that he is in charge of all our salvation. Even Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God, the God of Israel. And we go over there, we read about that mountain shook with great earthquake when God came down to visit with Moses. I wonder how Moses felt about the whole thing. Here's something that he is having, an event in his life, but God is going to demonstrate that he is in charge and earthquakes can be his great moving hand. This uh, subject again is brought up in Psalm 104. Psalm 104 and verse 31. As we think about who is behind the earthquake, who's behind our salvation, who's behind our faith, who's behind our hope, who's behind, who's behind our, our security, who's behind it all. If we don't have God, we don't have anything. We're really on shaky ground. But if God is behind it all, we have everything. We have God behind it. All right, Psalm 104. Psalm 104 and verse 31. Psalm 104 and verse 31. The scriptures share this. It says, The glory of the Lord shall endure forever. The Lord shall rejoice in his works. He looketh on the earth and it trembleth. He touches the hills, and they smoke. If the hills do that, what is he going to do to a person that is his elect? He looketh on the earth, and it trembleth. All we have to do is go over to the ninth chapter of the book of of, uh, Acts and find out when God came to Saul, he trembled before an almighty God. He was in an earthquake. (laughs) It was demonstration... Earthquakes are the instruments of Almighty God and certainly demonstrate and produce in God's people a humility. You know, even in the slight tremors that I have been in, there's absolutely nothing you can do to stop it. You can't prevent it. You're either going to ride it out or you're not. So this, it's, uh, it gives us a sense of utter helplessness. Now, I've made fun of a lot of Californians moving to Oregon because I called them Quakers, and people would say, oh, that's a different religion. I says, no, no, they're running away from the earthquakes. They're Quakers. Well, they, they have felt or have heard from someone of the utter helplessness that they have felt in that earthquake. I have seen uh, videos out of Japan when those earthquakes shake up those buildings and people are in their rooms or their offices. They're just in utter helplessness. They can't do anything. They can't even stand up. And this is the way that God moves in mysterious ways His wonders to perform. Nobody is going to stand up against God. He's not going to lose A discussion I've had a number of times is that people can resist God and resist God. And I says, yeah, we do that by nature. But when he is interested in saving somebody, there is no resistance. And you know, on the the outside of that, the, 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 the salvation side of that, we say, thank you, Lord. 
My goodness, if, if we were given the ability of resisting Him to our dying day, which natural man is, non-elect do, then how serious that is. But to the elect, how blessed it is that He overcomes us. And He does it in such a way as an earthquake. We are totally helpless before Him. We, and we find out that's a good place to be. Resistance is down. Now people are building buildings that seemingly are earthquake resistant. But I'll tell you what, natural man isn't. He's not earthquake resistant. When God intends to have someone hear the gospel, it will be their whole world will be turned upside down and we're so used to reading the bible from this side that when it's turned right side up we find it's a totally new book it is absolutely totally new we're not looking for historical events we're looking for christ so the this the the earthquake that is mentioned there it it shares with us that it is an instrument of almighty god and man has allowed many things, but he has, does not have power over that. We have power over water sometimes. I love going over here and turning on that faucet and getting hot water out of it. We have power over fire. We build a fire. Sometimes it gets away from us. But we have power over many things. God has allowed that and permitted that. We have power over the dirt sometimes. We plant vegetables, we get vegetables out of it. But when it comes to an earthquake... We have no ability to resist when it comes. Now, I'm afraid, I'm just afraid that there's a lot of fear mongers that share with us that right here, we're going to hear, uh, feel the events of an earthquake off the coast, and it's going to bring the tsunami over the Cascade Mountains right in here. I don't think that's going to happen, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to have an earthquake physically. But I pray that we have some spiritual earthquakes. That's the ones that pay off, is spiritual earthquakes. They, uh, Isaiah chapter 2, would you go back there to or forward, excuse me, we're in Psalms. Turn with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah had much to say there in Isaiah chapter 6. But let's notice here in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 19. As we think about these earthquakes, they, they, uh, they just... Bring a humility. God is all-powerful. We, we have no argument about it. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 19, the Scriptures say, And they shall go into the holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth for the fear of the Lord and for the glory of His majesty when He ariseth to shake terribly the earth. What a statement. When he comes to shake, rises to shake the earth terribly. And then in verse 20, And in that day a man shall cast his idols of silver and his idols of gold, which they made each one for himself to worship, to the moles and to the bats. It's time to get rid of these. All right. Earthquakes can quickly demonstrate and convince us of the instability of our foundation. How unstable. I went to a one-room schoolhouse. It was built in 1909. And the year I graduated, they had determined that that was not any longer earthquake-proof. So they built a brand-new school. Both of them are still standing. But if the earth ever moved, 
both of them could fall. They, what we build on, our religion, when we find out how unstable it really is, that everything that we depended on by our nature, by our religious teaching, we find out how really unstable. You know, there is a uh, used to be an occupation that I, I've seen films of that just, and that's those guys that floated down on tops of logs down rivers. Now they were on the most unstable possible place I can imagine. <laughs> on a log on top of the river trying to get these log jams undone. I wonder how many of them went through the logs and never came back. Well, that's just a microcosm of what it is to be in an earthquake and realize how unstable a ground we're on. You know what Saul of Tarsus found out? How unstable his religion was. When he met the Lord, everything was turned upside down. He no longer... he. I can just imagine his knees shaking at the coming of the Lord. How dramatic this was that his world was turned upside down. And then later he writes, or we hear written about, this man turned the world upside down with his preaching. Well, that's what the gospel does. And it's, God intends for us to have our world tr- turned upside down by the preaching of the gospel. He does not want us latched on to that any longer. He does not want us in that any longer. He wants us to trust Him, to have faith in Him, and He supplies all of that. We can do so many things, but we can't tame an earthquake. I've read where they've tamed zebras and buffalo and giraffes, all kinds of critters, wolves, coyotes, but not an earthquake. It is God's demonstration of great power. And it convinces us that there is nothing stable. Even if we build our religion earthquake-proof, when God wants to shake it up, He will. And it will happen. Earthquakes are used to admonish us that judgment is coming upon this earth too. We find that God is a judge. He judged his son at the cross, and he will judge. Turn with me, if you would, over to the book of 2 Peter chapter 3. In 2 Peter chapter 3, God is going to bring an earthquake, just as in the days of Uzziah. He had his people back then. He brought an earthquake in the days of, of Abel. He brought an earthquake in the days of Daniel. The days of David, the days of Solomon. He brought an earthquake. Uh, life-changing. Cannot stop. Find out how unstable we actually are. In the book of 2 Peter chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning with verse 10, the scriptures have this to share with us about this very subject that earthquakes are used to admonish us that judgment will be one day strike this earth. It will come. And it tells 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, the scriptures say, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? What does that mean? Trust the Lord. (laughs) Trust the Lord. That's our holiness and our godliness is Him. So this is going to be a time... I can't explain it because I can't understand it all. 
I just know that when the end comes, the end will come. And then we read about two lines. Talk about... I've been in Europe, and there's a group of people that Nancy and I have noticed that don't know what lines are. (laughs) They crowd right in front of you. They just... We were looking at the Mona Lisa. We had a nice vantage point. And the next thing we know, we're crowded out by people who don't know what a line is. Well, that day, they'll know what a line is. Left hand, right hand. They'll know that. All right. And earthquakes teach us the perfect security of God's sheep. You know, even in the greatest of difficulty, in the greatest of times, the greatest greatest time of uh, testing of our life, the, our health, or life situations, or whatever, we find out that the, even in these great trying times, when it seems like an earthquake, there is perfect rest. Now, we may not feel a perfect rest, but the Lord has perfect rest for His people. He has a rest that passes understanding. He has a rest that He has caused His people to rest in Him. We've been spending quite a bit of time in the book of Numbers and looking at that rest that people did not have. I'm still baffled about a bunch of people that noticed another man out there picking up sticks. What were they doing? Wishing they were doing it? (laughs) Well, there is a rest for the people of God. There's a whole bunch of people in their tents doing what they're supposed to be doing and then there's those outside. So, turn with me, if you would, to the book of, uh, of Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21, verse 10. Then said he unto them, Now, I think this is more what happened in A.D. 70. The destruction of Jerusalem. I think instructions about that. Nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and great earthquakes shall be in diverse places and famines and pestilences and fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. Now, every time we heard of an earthquake, we knew what the preacher was going to be preaching on Sunday. From this passage. All right. But before all these, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you and deliver you up to the synagogues and into prisons and bring, uh, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake and it shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it therefore in your hearts not to meditate before what you shall answer. Settle it in your hearts. You don't have to worry about this. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. I just thought, how interesting. Even in that day, I remember that prophet. I don't The king says, I have one more prophet, but I hate to listen to him. I just hate him. But bring him anyway. Let's see what he has to say this time. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. You would be against me. (laughs) Well, he was the Lord's prophet. 
and he couldn't do anything else. The Lord protected him. I'm reminded of of, uh, Jeremiah stuck down in a pit and left to die. And the king finally says, get him out of there. How the Lord takes care. And even those, it's, it's just hard for me to read the end of the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. But those fellows, those ladies, were presented spotless before the throne of glory. They could not be shook from that because God had His hand on them. What shall separate us from the Lord God? There are things that cannot be moved, and they are the heritage of God's people. The mountains may depart, but not our relationship with the Lord. Turn back to the book of the Psalms again. The book of the Psalms. So a great earthquake took place in the days of Uzziah. I pray that it will take place tonight, tomorrow, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, a great earthquake when God does something for somebody. In the book of, of uh, Psalm 46, Psalm 46, Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shall shake with swelling thereof. Selah. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged, and the kingdoms were moved. He uttereth his voice, and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, even in perilous times. Now, I've visited with a lot of people in my life, and they've never had an earthquake. They just asked Jesus into their heart. They just, they just went forward. They, they didn't have anything happen. And I'm so concerned that God didn't turn them upside down. The Bible means the same thing to them? Probably less. I had a preacher tell me one time that most professions of faith are a result of doing something really seriously wrong. And this is the way of making it right, having a religious experience. Well, in this day, there's going to be a great earthquake. Now, we get over there to the book of uh, Hebrews chapter 12. He says, you have not come to Mount Sinai. That place shook. The law shook. Sinai shook, God shook it, but you have come to Mount Zion. Now there's such a difference in just the tenor in the voice in God's Word. When we talk about Sinai or Mount Zion, there is no resemblance in even the tenor of your voice when you say the difference. Here we have in Mount Zion, the city of the Most High God. He takes every one of those people that He has saved by His grace, turn their worlds upside down, and cause them to be in one place, 
and that is in Christ Jesus the Lord. Earthquakes are mentioned in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. They are often spoke of spiritual instruments of God. Isaiah 29. Isaiah 29. We have to just say that everything is an instrument of God. But when we look at this, there's a special instrument of God. Isaiah 20, Isaiah 29. Let me get that right. Isaiah 29, verses 1 through 6. Woe to Ariel, to Ariel, the city where David dwelt. Add ye year to year, let them kill sacrifice. What is that city? It's another name for Jerusalem. Yet I will distress Ariel, and there shall be heaviness and sorrow, and it shall be unto me as Ariel. And I will camp against the roundabout, and I will lay siege against thee, and with mount, and I will raise forts against thee, and thou shalt be brought down. One of my favorite books by uh, John Bunyan is Holy War. And it almost copies this. The town is called Mansoul. Man is in there, locked all the doors, not going to let anybody in. And then it demonstrates Almighty God taking control, overcoming, and the person goes through the greatest earthquake. <laughs> thou shalt speak out the ground, thou shalt speech shall be low out of the dust, Thy voice shall be as the, that which hath a familiar spirit out of the ground, and they shall speak, shall whisper out of the dust. Moreover, the multitude of the stranger shall be like small dust, the multitude of terrible ones shall be like chaff that passeth away. Yea, it shall be at an instant suddenly, and thou shalt be visited of the Lord of hosts with thunder and with earthquakes and great noise and storm and tempest and flame and devouring fire. And the Lord says... And the church says, Amen. When Jesus died, there was a great earthquake. You know, it's interesting. There was an earthquake that opened up some selective graves. Talk about an earthquake being selective. He opened up some graves of some saints with an earthquake. Now, they didn't come out of their tomb until after his resurrection, but they were opened. I can't imagine what it was like for those folks to walk into Jerusalem and go to the houses where they used to live, and here's their children and grandchildren, and what did they say? And then we find there was a great earthquake that day the Lord was raised from the dead. Now, he didn't use the door. He didn't use but they rolled it back. There was a great earthquake on that day. How God has demonstrated through time the use of earthquakes for His glory, for His honor and His praise, and He can be so selective. There were many that were with Saul of Tarsus, and they didn't feel a thing. There was one that He intended to save, and He felt everything. That's the work of God. In the days of Acts, in the 16th chapter of Acts, Saul, or Paul and Silas had been arrested, put in stocks. How did they get out? 
a great earthquake. Opened the doors and opened the locks on their stocks. Selective earthquakes. How God works that He could be so precise. You know, next week Nancy's going to have some surgery on her eye. Um, Cataract surgery. I just don't want just anybody (laughs) poking around in my eye. I want someone who knows something. Well, the same can be true about salvation. So many people have tried, practiced, but there's only one that can do it efficiently, effectually. He can open up one grave with an earthquake. He can open up one door, roll a stone away. Or he can open up one jail cell and the stocks of two men and have a man come in and do exactly what we do by nature. What must I do to be saved? And they said, believe. Now people turn that into a work. We have to find out that belief is given to us by the Lord. All right, earthquakes. There was a great earthquake. And that last part of that verse, notice this, and we'll close with this, in the book of Zechariah, chapter 14, verse 5, the last part of that verse of Scripture has this to say, as uh, Zechariah is used to write it, Holy Spirit gave him the words in the original language, thank Lord we have a translation, it says there, before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah king of Judah, and the Lord my God shall come, and all the saints with thee. That's where they will be, is with him. They're not going to be in opposition to him. If we're in opposition, we haven't had an earthquake yet. When God gives us that very special, particular earthquake, turns our lives upside down, we will be with the saints and with him. With that, we'll close tonight. We're thankful you joined us um, here in... Zoom and those on Sermon Audio.